This Dharma Talk is brought to you by the Chicago Zen Meditation Community. Learn about us and our teacher, Miyoshi Thompson, at zenchicago.org. Thanks for everybody. Uh, glad everybody's here. Um, I'm a little conflicted about this talk. I had uh, kind of prepared it before the weekend. And the theme of the talk was can kindness and compassion and how I think it's an integral part of our practice and actually the point of our practice. Um, I think uh, maybe popular conception of um, what Zen is and what meditation is, it's about enlightenment, right? That's kind of how maybe it permeates throughout society, it's like, oh, I'm going to meditate because I want to achieve enlightenment. I mean, maybe, right? Maybe that's, that's, that's useful. Uh, <laughs> but I, more and more I've been uh, meditating, I've been really starting to think that compassion and kindness is, at least to me, it's like becoming more and more of the point. Um, to becoming more and more of a kind being, a compassionate being, seems the more I practice, the closer I move into contact with that. And I actually think uh, the Zendo and this space is where we actually practice compassion and we actually practice kindness. Um, it's one of the few spaces in the world that, at least for me, where we walk into it and we immediately, that is our posture. We're kind to one another. Mm -hmm. I've, I've been part of um, the Sangha for five years, and I can't even remember once when someone was mean to someone else here. Maybe outside, in the hallway. Yeah. <laughs> Big fights that break yeah. up. But, like, <laughs> but, you know, once, once we step inside, it's almost like everybody's kind, supportive of each other. And so, you know, this idea of Rohatsu and having a group of people sit together for three days and support one another, I think is really like a deep practice and I'm looking forward to it. Um, one of the examples I wanted to kind of talk about, and this kind of leads into, you know, I had written it before this weekend, you know, is, um, sorry, I had a date here. Um, you know, as I was thinking about this kindness and compassion uh, that takes place in the Zendo, um, in on November or in November 2015, right, 128 people were killed in Paris, France. Um, I believe that was on a Saturday, and at that time we were meeting on Sundays, um, so still pretty raw, and you know we all met. And that was the first, you know, outside of the Zendo, the conversation was a lot of anger, you know, hey, we need to, it was about the Syrians at the time, you know, like, we can't let any of these Syrians in, a lot of negativity, and, you know, I don't take any position on whether that was the right thing to do or not. We walked in here, and, you know, I sat in here, and what did we do? We, like, we grieved. You know, it's a horrible, and so, you know, it's a sad situation and 
there's just like this field of compassion and kindness that we were all showing each other and we were all grieving together. Um, you know, and then, so this weekend, mm-hmm. you know, so today, um, um, over the weekend I was kind of disconnected from the news. I had heard about a shooting in the synagogue. Didn't really uh, take the time to process it. Didn't really want to even look at it. Um, and then today, I actually started taking more time with it. And I mean, I don't know uh, how everyone here is doing with it, uh, but um, but um, it's been hitting me very deeply, right? So. And I'm kind of glad it is. You know, I'm glad that uh, it's not just another shooting. I'm glad it's not just, uh, you know, I'm glad I'm not politicizing it in my own head and being like, oh, X, Y, and Z supporters. It's like, you know, I think it was like a 95-year-old woman got shot. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if this is true, but I think I read somewhere that one of the guys that was in uh, uh, the synagogue at the time had survived the Holocaust. And then he had survived this as well. Hmm. And and again, I kind of see the same pattern breaking out, right? Where is this, you know, Trump's fault? Or is it CNN's fault? <laughs> is it, you know, and a lot of anger and a lot of... Um, just, you know, we're kind of at each other's throats over it. And it's... You know, I kind of come here and I'm like, well, how do we hold this? And I, I would think in like a field of like kindness and compassion, not only to the outside world, but to each other, you know, for each other and ourselves, right? To like allow space to like grieve for this. So I don't have any answers, but um, I've... Uh, found the Sangha and kind of our practice of compassion and kindness to be very useful in times like this because it's it's real easy for me to want to go do something (laughs) when when in a way there's like nothing I can do right I mean maybe there's like what am I going to go do go argue with people and go feed feed more and I don't I don't know but what is useful for me is to like remain open to this um, so I'm kind of getting a little off track from <laughs> what I had uh, what I had prepared. Um, I had um, I um, there was an article that I was uh, reading before I came in here, and I decided to print it out. It's called "Suffering at the Synagogue" by Matthew Abrams. Um, he's a Jewish Buddhist. And he wrote an article in Tricycle um, that just went up uh, today. And I found it pretty moving. Um, so I thought I'd like read a little bit of this. Is that okay with everybody? Okay. On Saturday night, following the mass shootings at the Tree of Life Synagogue in Pittsburgh, 
I was taking the subway to a Halloween party when I tried an experiment. I allowed myself for a second to feel the deep sadness I had been pushing away since I woke up to the news that seven people were killed by an anti-Semitic far-right conspiracy theorist. The death toll has since, written, has since risen to 11, including a 97-year-old woman. Throughout the afternoon, I put the news out of my mind in order to complete some work I had to get done. But waiting for the subway on a race platform in a gentle rain, I had nothing else to do. So drawing on a mindful practice, I shifted my attention to the pain that I had pushed aside. I allowed myself to think about the Holocaust, the history of anti-Semitism around the world, and of my sisters and my mom, who could have easily been targeted if the shooter had shown up at, a temp at our, their temple instead. I thought about how the victims were part of my tribe, a tribe that has spent all his history uh, searching for a refuge from persecution. I thought about how despite my more rational understanding of violent uh, prime statistics, I felt a little afraid to leave the house that day. Then my thoughts drifted to the shooter and the people that encouraged him, either explicitly or playing into his fears, or by implying they supported his actions throughout through their silence. Quickly, my sadness turned to rage, an experience that everyone is likely familiar with. But for the first time in my life, I watched these emotions as they shifted inside me, using the tools of reflection that I had only started to develop after a few years of practice. What I saw upon deeper reflection was the sadness wanting to become anger. Hmm. I had to constantly shift my attention back to the suffering or else righteous, righteous indignation would take over. Of course, there's nothing wrong with getting angry sometimes, and no one should be criticized for it. When I first started reading Zen literature, I thought Buddhist masters were beyond rage, but soon I came to see that most, the most equanimous people, and perhaps even enlightened beings, still feel anger. The trick of contemplative practice is to close the gap between feeling anger and letting it go. When the anger arises again, the master feels it, and then lets it pass again. But even knowing that I had to let it go, I wanted to cling to my anger. Returning to the reflection on the rain, it was easy to see why. Anger is security. I don't think it would be a grand revelation if I were to say I hate the shooter. If not all if not all people driven by hate, cling to anger to escape fear and suffering. Hatred, I think, is like cancer. It is created by the system it destroys. Just as cells grow, just as cell, cell growth is natural, anger is natural. Homicidal hatred is metastasized anger. It can threaten the whole society in which it was born. So it's up to everyone to let go of anger, to avoid becoming the thing they hate, which can strike me as terribly unfair. When a hate monger goes on a deadly rampage, everyone is left to do the work of processing. When he gets to, while he gets to be angry, we call upon ourselves to be compassionate. I don't want to show the shooter or any of the people who encouraged him any love or any forgiveness, not today at least. Yet on the train, I found that anger wasn't helping. Every time I turned to the pain, there was something sublime there. 
I felt human, limited, and fragile. That feeling is a part of compassion, seeing how my suffering and the sufferings of others are linked. So even if I must muster up a kind word for the killer, so even if I couldn't muster up a kind word for a killer, I could still turn toward compassion rather than anger for a time. Then I would, of course, drift back into anger and I would feel powerful. Like I alone could march into the Oval Office, look at Trump in the eyes and say, hey, knock it off. It's a comforting thought, but not a very useful one. Acknowledging our fragile existence, on the other hand, is a very powerful thought. It is at the heart of all spiritual investigation. There's a little bit more, but I think I'll kind of I'll stop there. I think um, I just found um, you know it's very moving. He's, he's writing it a couple days. You know, it's still pretty fresh for him. And I think so much of. Um, what he's talking about speaks to me pretty deeply, you know. Um, it's almost the easy thing to do is to get angry, right? It's like, it's, it is a security blanket, right? It gives you a lot of energy that kind of takes away from the actual pain. But I think like the compassionate and like the kindness that we show each other allows us to sit here and feel that pain directly. And even as it oscillates between anger and compassion back and forth, it's like we've kind of created the space where that's, that's okay. Um, and I think it's, this is a little vague, it's not, but it's like done in community. You know, it's done in like the Zendo within the Sangha. I was at, um, I was, uh, earlier this year I had a, chance to participate in a session at Ramanji. Uh, Miyoshi and um, his teacher, Shokin, were leading the retreat. Um, and a few of us uh, Sangha members had the opportunity to go down there. And, you know, this whole monastery to me was, I think, compassion, like, actualized. <laughs> uh, you know, here's this place that, you know, we could go and practice um, you know, I had never been to a Zen monastery. Immediately I walk in, you know, there's people who are willing to teach me, you know, the routines and just, you know, how the day's going to flow and, you know, essentially starting to train me on how to move through and conduct myself in a monastery. So, like, at a macro level, you know, a lot of kindness and a lot of compassion. And then, like, at a micro level, the same thing, yeah. For those of you who aren't familiar, there's uh, orioki, which is this ritualized eating. And you know, I, as I was trying to figure this out, I was surrounded by, I think there were four dharma heirs around me, <laughs> <laughs> making sure like I had enough support to figure this thing out. <laughs> and like very kind and like helpful. I never felt like. You know, like very, I felt very supportive, and you know, as I was um, cleaning one of the bowls, I realized. So when you have this instrument that's got this cotton um, or fabric on, it and you clean your own bowls, and even in that little action, what you do is when you put the when you put the utensil away, you point it away from everybody, and then even even that little action, it's an act of kindness. 
So here we are in this like monastery where down to how you place your utensils, you know, has kindness imbued into it. And I, I just bring this up as like, I, I feel like I'm in this place and then I sit down to do Zazen and um, I'm sitting like um, on a Seiza bed so my hands are like dangling and I start getting this like huge pain coming down my arms. And I'm trying to like work with it and I'm trying to practice with it and then on the kind of corner of my eye, there's a, another uh, practitioner sitting and you know, he's moving a lot. Mm-hmm. And slowly I start getting irritated, you know? And I'm like, I'm trying to focus on like this pain in my arm, like it's not <laughs> moving. And it keeps moving. And like slowly I'm like in like this fit of rage. I'm like, stop moving. And like, I'm so, and like, you know, part of me is like <coughs> laughing at this, that, you know, there's beautiful, like trees outside, <laughs> everything's, you know, and I am just so <coughs> pissed off. And I'm, I'm, I'm very much aware that I'm, like, in this, like, field of where everyone is being kind to me. Yeah. And yet, there's this, like, anger and this rage. And, like, somehow at some point, I think, the anger got held by this kindness and compassion. And I, like, looked at this person, and I noticed that there was, like, a flow in how they were moving. And I realized, you know, we talked this person was actually showing himself a lot of internal compassion and kindness where I wasn't I was like trying to be like you know, super meditator like I can sit with this pain and it's no big deal I'm completely detached from it only, and only if this person would stop moving yeah. and then I could and eventually I just was like well, why don't you just move too and I just like moved my arm up and the pain went away and, and I just say this, like, this, so this was, you know, this person I was, like, really upset with was, like, actually a bodhisattva, mm-hmm. right? Like, actually showing me an act of compassion over and over, but I couldn't see it. And so it seems to me, it's like, if I can imbue my practice with more compassion and more kindness, not, you know, to the outside world and also to myself, I feel like... I'm starting to feel like that's the point. It's like trying to figure out how to be, you know, kind to yourself with whatever's coming up, whatever emotions you're feeling. And I think that that's kind of what this author also um, you know, is kind of expressing, seeing the like the oscillations between the sadness and the anger. And having the tools to explore the anger and feel the sadness completely. So, I guess I kind of open it up for everybody else. Uh, we could kind of like to end it there. I have to say, I, I think you're on the right track with the idea that kindness and compassion is kind of the, the point of our practice. Uh, and it's true, you know, we don't yell at each other in the zone. And even though we sit quietly, just think of the energy that we put into the world by doing that. 
kind, peaceful energy. I was talking to someone today uh, who was telling me how terrible her job is. It was totally meaningless. Her job is to get art installed in pub public places. Oh, that's awesome. It's awesome, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I said, uh, when you're at the Art Institute, do you ever see anybody like arguing with anybody else? Mm -hmm. or, or do parents hitting their kids in the Art <laughs> Institute? No. This is what art does, right? It helps us you know, find something deeper, more human, and kinder. And I thought, you know, she was actualizing kindness and she didn't see it, you know, mm -hmm. in her activity. And uh, maybe, you know, in Zendo, same for us. Sometimes we come and we think, you know, okay, I'm going to be a, a world-class meditator. <laughs> but, you know, the important thing is to put some kindness into the room so that other people can, can have their practice where it's safe to have whatever feeling comes up. So, um, yeah, I really think you're, you're onto something important here. Thank you. Thank you, Anush, for talking about this tonight. I think it's been such a difficult, hate-filled, violent week with one incident after the next that uh, I, it's, I think, very helpful and timely for us uh, to get to talk about that here tonight. And I appreciate your not only talking about it, but letting your vulnerability and mm -hmm. upset about this show, um, kind of modeling for us that there are ways, even though they're painful, to respond to some of these things that don't involve more hate and anger, um, but they do involve letting ourselves be vulnerable, right? Mm -hmm. um, letting ourselves feel how sad it is, uh, letting ourselves feel the horror that um, a gunman could burst into the place where you're doing your religious practice, like we're doing right now. <clears throat> and that I think we do tend to feel stronger um, and less vulnerable when we're angry, right? And we can just fire up that rage and think about the other. But, um, you know, it seems to me one of the fundamental teachings of Buddhism really has to do with the fact that there is no other. It's all us. It isn't us and them. It's all us. Um, kind of being able to connect with that on a deeper level in the midst of how painful this is. So, thank you. Yeah, I was just—I was just thinking as you were talking too. It's, it's very grateful for the space because I think uh, there are not many. There's not many spaces that I can think of where something like this can be brought up, and it actually stay in the vulnerable space, mm. right? Quickly moves moves away into something else so I'm pretty grateful for that
sense that you created the bond building can demonstrate I was uh, moved by your story at Shishin. I felt like that you were telling my story, actually. <laughs> first. Uh, I felt the exact same way during my first Shishin. And uh, I realized that the, the emotion I was feeling partway through wasn't just the meditation, but uh, the pain I was feeling mm -hmm. from sitting in an uncomfortable way. Mm -hmm and that I uh, was totally in my control to just sit in some place, sit in a way that wasn't so painful. I would only let myself. Um, it's a very powerful thing to be able to have compassion for yourself. And I think that to have compassion for someone else, it, at least for me, has always started with myself. So it, uh, it's refreshing to hear that I'm not the only one. As uh, I uh, was reading this thing from Ajahn Brahm, I don't know if you, he's a, a monk in Australia. He wrote a book called Kindfulness, and uh, he talked about a lot of times in meditation. And I'm susceptible to this, holy, uh, is that there's like this idea of the perfect way of doing it, right? So whether it's the posture, and for me, it was like I was already sitting in a seesaw bench, so I'm like. I'm already not sitting cross-legged, right? I'm not moving my arms. <laughs> and, like, and it's silly, but that's, was, that's what was happening. Um, and that being fixed on that caused a lot of suffering. And so he talked about, he's like, go outside and go into a forest and find the perfect tree. And it's like, you can't. And he's like, and if you do, like, you're in trouble because that's not a real tree. Like, 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 you know, it's perfectly straight. And, like, you know, it's like, the, you know, go look at these trees. They do, you know, they're all over the place just like we are. And I thought that was a nice way of looking at it, right? It's like our bodies are what they are, right? And so just moving it comfortable. I really think this idea of holding the space where if there's hurt, it can be felt is really important because, uh, first of all, if you weren't doing that in your zazen, you would never have realized you needed to move, move your arms. Mm -hmm. So that was, that was good. Mm -hmm. It saved you from some suffering. But, you know, think about what the alternative is if we don't hold the space where we can feel our hurt. The, the alternative is like the Gulf War, mm -hmm. right? You know, after 9-11, yeah. you know, we were all hurt. What did we do with it? We said, yeah, we we'll, get, we'll get those bad guys. Yeah. So, uh, it's really, really important. Um, if we let ourselves, we'll act angrily in the situation, because it feels safer, just like you said. Mm -hmm. The only thing is, it's unlikely that the anger of the world will be healed by more anger. So, so we need a different way.
just wanted to thank you for your talk. It really, um, it was really moving. Thanks, Brad. You know, sometimes I come and um, I look as as a space to kind of um, for support. And sometimes I come like today, and um, it really brought me back to what's important. I've been fairly busy and um, uh, and a little bit restless because of that kind of energy. And, um, uh, and I just I appreciate. I also want to thank you. Uh, it actually gave me something to reflect on, maybe a way to. So, Elena and I had the, I don't want to say the privilege, but we went to Auschwitz this past summer. Um, and it's just been sort of a traumatic experience. I mean, it was an extremely traumatic experience that just never processed. We experienced it, we went through it, we saw this sort of systematic you know, trial. Um, basically, what the, the commission set up as a trial, like here's the hair, you know, proves that people were killed here, here's their, their clothes, here's their things, um, here's where they actually did the, the murder. Um, and it's just so overwhelming that you can't process it. You just don't know what to do with it. And it's been bouncing around in my head for months um, at this point, and, and it's still not fully processed. But yeah, but it, I feel it opening up in an important way, and I appreciate your sharing. Thank you, everybody. Thanks, Anush. So